Welcome to the Next Level Business Podcast. This is your host, Tony Kane. Changing tax a little bit today, I wanted to get in an expert because, you know, I can inspire you, but today I wanted to get really tactical and figure out how we can actually grow our businesses. And a lot of people have a large focus on digital marketing at the moment. And I know for me personally, I've spent so much time doing digital marketing terribly, right? So then I decided to smarten up and outsource it because I know that I'm really good at coaching people and help people to transform their businesses and their lives. But I suck at designing, you know, digital marketing strategies and actually implementing them. So I outsource that and that's actually been a really good investment for me. So today what I've done, I've got Nathaniel Bibby joining us. He owns a company called Bibby Consulting Group. So that's gonna talk us through some tactics how you can actually get on LinkedIn and make sure you're marketing your business properly and how powerful of a tool it is. Because I know for me personally, I like to keep my business stuff on LinkedIn and my personal stuff on Instagram. You know, and I've been guilty of the past of hammering my personal Instagram account with my business intentions, but I've sort of gone away from that, trying to keep Instagram for personal and LinkedIn for business. And it's worked really well for me. So I hope you really enjoy today's conversation with Nathaniel Bibby from Bibby Consulting Group. Just before we kick off today, I want to do a quick shout out to a foundation that's really close to my heart called the School for Life Foundation. So Annabelle and the team at School for Life, what they do is they raise money to help kids in Uganda to go to school. Now that might not seem like a big thing, but in Uganda, not every child gets to go to school. And what happens when a child in Uganda doesn't go to school, it significantly impacts the whole course of that child's life. So the team at School for Life raise money, they build schools and help more kids in Uganda to go to school. And what happens if a kid in Uganda goes to school, they can then move on to get the right job and raise money and earn money to look after their family considerably changes the whole community over there. So we sponsor a child called Scovia and I really love getting updates and seeing how Scovia is going at school and his progression. So I know times are tough at the moment. If you could find it in you to reach out to School for Life and sponsor a child, I guarantee you get so much satisfaction out of knowing that a small donation from you is helping a child in Uganda to go to school. So their website is schoolforlife.org.au. Alrighty, let's get into it. So Nat, thanks so much for joining us today, buddy. Mate, thanks for having me. I'm stoked to be here. You know what? I, um, I was really excited to have you on today because... Digital marketing, online marketing, everyone's got a bad story with it. And I was really excited to get you on today because uh, I know your story, but if you could talk us through sort of how you, I suppose, stumbled across online marketing and, and where it's got you today. Yeah, great question. Look, I, um, I went to university to study finance and I went to one lecture. It was about derivatives and I thought, this has got nothing to do with making money or business. Um, and so I go to see this course counselor and they're like, and I need, I'm like, I need to shift out of finance. Um, and she's like, what do you want to study? And this is, his, oh, this is no joke is what happened. I'm just being honest. Um, there's a group of, of attractive women walking past the window of the career officer's office. And I said, what are, what are, what are they doing? And she goes, they're on their way to a marketing lecture. And I said, I'll do that. And, um, <laughs> And, and to be honest, like what's interesting is, is I had just started like ordering pizza on the internet. So I was like actually just starting to buy on the internet when I got to university and I did a five year degree and I didn't do one unit on online marketing. And there's so many graduates in marketing. I ended up in a sales role, I actually went to Thailand to sell property. Um, and I was sitting in a sales office during low season, rainy season, pretty much like that right now during coronavirus. There's, there's no foreigners on the island that buy luxury property. And so I'm just sitting in the office in front of a laptop. I've got this job. They haven't sold a property in six months, the, guy, the guys I'm working for. Um, and so literally like from seven o'clock in the morning to 11 o'clock at night, 
all I did is try and work out how I can get customers through the internet so that when high season comes, we've got a full schedule. And we literally like sold out 93 villas in the first high season I was there just because I learned how to get the website to the top of Google. So that's, that's the thing. At the time, SEO was the thing. And, you know, Google got smarter. It became less effective, more competitive. Um, around about the time I got recruited by a company in Hong Kong. So if you find out how to get property sites on top of Google, you become in high demand. Hong Kong real estate agency with 150 agents uh, recruit me. While I'm on the, the plane to Hong Kong almost, um, Google updates its algorithm, all of the websites I've optimized, page 100 of Google, um, got all got knocked back in the rankings. And so again, like, you know, I had to innovate. So I learned about Google advertising. So what, what's hap what happens with digital marketing and it's happening at an accelerated rate is as become, things become more like more known, more popular, they become more competitive, less effective. And so like, you know, social media is the thing at the moment. Um, and it, it is getting like to the point where it's more saturated, but what's, but it's also becoming like more of a social media is something that is the power is in the hands of the consumer, you know, like you can't really interrupt people successfully on social media and expect to get a result. Um, so it just means that it's getting harder and you, there's more of a need for professionals like me to be in the game. So, you know, I, I when you asked me if I, how I got into marketing, which is literally as a salesperson trying to figure out how to get leads globally. And it wasn't long before my marketing skills were in way more demand than my sales skills. Because if you can fill a company up with leads, um, you can, you can make the sales happen. And that, so did that, was that like a natural step to, to take the step to starting your own consulting firm, specializing in digital marketing? Um, Look, I would have loved to have, have done that. I, I was always a very good salesperson and um, was very good at generating my own leads. I think running a business is, is something that, um, you know, I probably, I, I've tried several businesses throughout my life. Um, I think that it's something that scared me a little bit. I was forced into it. Uh, I lost my, well, I didn't lose my job, sorry. I, I was in a company that was doing a, like a public listing. There was a lot of politics, kind of long story short. But I hadn't been paid in three months, um, which means I couldn't pay my bills. I had um, an eviction notice pending. I was actually, um, the day that I quit my job, the day I walked out that morning was the day I got the eviction notice and the day that I realized my electricity had been cut out. And so uh, that evening when I went to turn on the lights is when I realized that they weren't working. And I got two extension cables, plugged them together ran them down the stairwell of my apartment building into a power socket in the public area and connected the other end to the two of those two extension cords to a desk lamp so that I could sit underneath it and write a business plan. And that's when I started my company. And the next day I made $15,000 in sales. Um, and shortly thereafter, like I was invited by a business coach to um, be a sponsor of an event of his. Like he's like, you invite your network. I'll thank the sponsors at the end. And um, so like he did, but I asked him, I said, oh, this time I'm saying, instead of saying I'm an online marketing consultant, because like you said, you know, a lot of people have had bad experiences with online marketing consultants. Why don't you tell them that like, I'm a LinkedIn specialist. If they want help with their LinkedIn profile, come and talk to me after the event. And, and I was just swamped, you know, and, and David said, being a business coach, he said to me, the market is making it very clear what it wants. And that's when I decided to specialize in LinkedIn was the first LinkedIn marketing agency in Australia. And everybody in the marketing industry that I knew, like just thought I was crazy. They're like, hey, you know, how can you have an entire business about LinkedIn? 
Like, you know, but then what happens is like when somebody's having a business event or a marketing event and they want to get a LinkedIn speaker, who are they going to call? Like I'm the, you know, I'm at the top of Google. It wasn't that hard to get there. Um, and so I very quickly became an industry leader. I've now got the most experience um, running campaigns for businesses on LinkedIn. Very different to like a LinkedIn trainer who just runs workshops. They've, they've got experience in their own business perhaps, but I've, I've experienced like a hundred or so different industries. So you know like what what's likely to work for a particular business just based on your experience. And to like very fortunate to me, LinkedIn has just got better and better and better with all the features they've released and the Microsoft acquisition. And every time I hear these things in the news, like you know, they're getting um, their advertising's getting better, or you know, they've made another bit acquisition, and, and I'm just thinking this is fantastic. This platform's not going anywhere. There's 700 million members now. Um, and Still, the majority of people don't know how to use it properly. I love that. And I, uh, I coach a lot of clients and I ask them, what are you doing with your marketing? And they're going, oh, I'll put a, through, I'll put a few posts up on, on Instagram, right? So as an, I suppose you would say, you know, you're an expert on LinkedIn. Talk me through LinkedIn. Like, you know, treat, treat me like a 10-year-old for, for two minutes and so talk me through the power of LinkedIn for businesses out there. Well, what I have to, I do do talks for high schools. I went back and did my, you know, you have to explain it to them in a very different way because of like they're, they're consuming content like ridiculously fast. Um, but the way, the way I, th I think LinkedIn works is very different to our social media sites. A lot of people don't realize that five years ago, you couldn't actually post any content on LinkedIn. So, you know, what were you going to do on there other than connect with people and send them direct messages? And I think people have got to understand that it's a networking tool and those private conversations are actually where the value is. It's, it's actually completely fine to approach people on LinkedIn and have a business conversation on Instagram and like Facebook, you can do it, but people in a different mindset there. Um, you know, so to book meetings with people is not necessarily the, the um, most appropriate thing and people trust LinkedIn three times as much as the or business professionals trust LinkedIn three times as much as the next best social media site, which is Facebook. So um, if it's trusted three times as much and you're in business to business, it, it makes sense to be posting content there. And then if you invite somebody into your network, like you send them a connection request, a bit like if somebody sends you a friend request on Facebook, obviously like it's a bit weird to do that because you know, you've got all this personal information there, you've got all these photographs and all this you know, background stuff. You may not want to connect with business people, but on LinkedIn, you don't really have any of that stuff. And if you join my network tomorrow, you, you'll see my content, you know, like it, that's the way it works. So I'm choosing who's in my audience. Whereas on Instagram, you know, I could say, hey, can you please follow my page? You know, it's very different than me sending you an invitation to connect with me and let's be part of each other's network. Um, so I think it's, it's a huge opportunity to just to network. Like, you know, if you've ever done offline networking, uh, this is that on steroids. <laughs> and, and that, like, I appreciate that, buddy. And would you say, like, is, is there certain types of businesses that should be on LinkedIn and certain types that shouldn't? Or do you think that done correctly, any business can prosper via LinkedIn? Yeah, look, the, the question you've got to ask yourself is, how important is it for the business to be engaging with their audience at scale? Because if, if it is important to be engaging with your audience at scale, the chances are, especially if you're in business to business or professional services, the chances are they are members of LinkedIn. 
So, I mean, there's a huge opportunity there to get an organic reach, to connect with them. Um, I think it's a missed opportunity if you don't. Like social media allows us to engage with our audience at scale. And I think anyone that's not taking it seriously doesn't care enough about their, their audience because that's where their attention is. That's where they're having conversations. That's where they want their problems solved. Um, you know, if you want to, you know, really add value, you've got to be part of that conversation. And that, you know, my job is to host this podcast. I've got to go out there and get into the, the get into the minds of the brightest people on the planet in all different, you know, expertises. And mate, I, I, I'd be, uh, wouldn't be doing my listeners justice if I didn't ask you. So let's say we've got a new business, right? Uh, what are the, you know, three quick tips you would say to someone who's just sort of starting out, setting up their LinkedIn, wanting to grow their, you know, business via LinkedIn? Yeah, sure. Um, just to give you a bit of context, when LinkedIn started, like I saw its second business plan for second round of capital raising, very early stages. What it said was LinkedIn is a, is a Rolodex of resumes and recruiters will use it to find talent. And so you, you've got to understand that the, the website was not set up for business people to reach clients. You, when you go on there, it kind of feels like you have to upload a CV. And if you're uploading a CV and you want to, your objective is to get customers, not to get a, a job, your resume is the most boring piece of content you could give a potential client. You know what? That's not what you want people looking at when they Google your name. So you want to customize it so it speaks to the customer. Like so, if they're if you're targeting dentists that live in Sydney, it should be very clear. You know that if you're a dentist, if you're reading this and you're a dentist in Sydney and you're struggling to grow your business, you might be frustrated with this, this, and this. If you identify with this, this is how I help businesses. Um, so it's relevant to them at the moment. What are most people's um, LinkedIn profile look like? Their, their CVs are like, oh, you know, um, hardworking individuals, very motivated, like to, you know, started my <laughs> career in ar architecture, then had a change of heart, then did this. Um, here are my references. Boring. You know, no, gotcha. that's not even, it's not even clear what you do. So that's the big thing is that your profile has to be right. Like if you do anything on LinkedIn, everyone's going to come back, look at your profile. Chances are if it's not working, something wrong with the profile make sure your profile looks outstanding second thing is grow your network and be proactive with it so if 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 you ask people um you know do you use linkedin and they say oh yeah you know i've got over a thousand connections um i use linkedin every day for half an hour oh yeah what, what do you do for that half an hour most of the time what they do is they log in they look at who sent them a connection request they accept most of them maybe don't accept a few then um, respond to their messages the whole thing is reactive. They go in there, they're just responding to notifications. They're not being proactive. So they say to me, yeah, but link, you know, the problem with LinkedIn is it's full of salespeople and recruiters. And I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, well, who do you think is going to send you connection requests? Like they're, they're, you know, it's likely to be salespeople and recruiters or people that want to take you on a date or people who want, you know, like <laughs> they want something from you. They want something from you. Right. Um, so you need to be the one that is, reaching out to your target audience and sending them connection requests. So you're deciding who's in your network and then you, you won't get all those sales pitches and, and, you know, recruitment pitches. You'll actually be seeing content of people that are the ideal client for you and you can engage with them. So it's, it's completely up to you, like whether or not LinkedIn is a powerful tool because it's up to, it's dependent on your network. So those are the two things that I would be focusing on is your profile, growing your network and as a small business, number one, most important thing is revenue. So I would be then sending the new connections messages and saying, Hey, I've noticed that you're in this industry. 
I work with clients that are in your industry. I would love to find out more about what you do so I can work out whether or not I can add value. So you want to have a conversation with them over the telephone so you can find out if they have the problem that you solve. So it's very important not to start selling until they've told you that they have a problem that you can fix or, or that they have a need for your service. Otherwise you'll come across as a salesperson and it will not work. So th those are the three things, you know, I think is a great way to, to, to scale a business with no, with no money, you know, just time. Now, that's brilliant. And leading into that. So, you know, the, the big argument or not the argument, but the unknown at the moment is, organic or SEO via versus paid or pay-per-click. So do you have any sort of tips or thoughts on a strategy of organic versus paid or a combination of both that you sort of suggest to people trying to grow their business? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, um, paid is always going to give you a more immediate result. I think it's really important that you, if you are going to do paid, that it's, um, that you have something that makes it really targeted. Okay. Like if you sell, um, SEOs or business coaching is a great one. If you sell business coaching and you advertise under the keyword business coaching, you're going to get inquiries from people that have um, ASX listed companies. You're going to have inquiries from strippers, bricklayers, all sorts of people. You can't really decide. All you know is they're interested in business coaching, maybe, or maybe they want to be a business coach. So like, you know that they have a commercial intent um, but you don't know like if they're an A grade client, B grade, C grade, D grade. So with LinkedIn, for example, it's the opposite. You can, you know that they're the A grade client. You just don't know whether there's an intent there. So that's what you have to find out. Um, I, I personally find that the people that have a really immediate need, they need to fix something now, will click on the ads, you know? And so if you're like, if you're in um, emergency dental, for example, you'll get, run the ads. Do promotions. People need a, a result immediately if you sell carpet for you know m removal services. But if um, inorganic is where people are generally doing research, like so, it's more of a longer term buying cycle. Uh, so I found that like even though I pick up a lot of business through paid ads, um, the best clients, the very best clients, and they don't happen as much as the paid ads, come from organic. Like I'm talking about like the Westpacs and the Apples. They I track them back. They all come from organic SEO. They've sort of, you know, you've created, put them on a journey where they've sort of built up that trust and they've sort of bought from you before they've bought from you, so to speak. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, positioning yourself as a thought leader is the most valuable thing you can do in a business. It's the only thing that really would differentiate you long term. And so you want to own as much real estate on that first page of the search results as possible. When people search for what you do, like I think it's really important that when somebody searches your name or your company name, they, they the whole page is full of assets that you control. Um, you know, rather than trying to focus on like, you know, focusing on LinkedIn training as the keyword, people who are searching that are at the top of the buying funnel. They don't know who you are. It's way more important the people that are like further down the buying cycle that if they do their background checks on you, what that you know that what they find moves them down the customer journey. I think a lot of businesses they don't know how many people they're losing lower down on the customer journey when people are actually considering alternatives because you know, the LinkedIn profiles are CV or, or, you know, um, they don't have, they don't have a website that's showing up for their name or whatever it may be. Um, you know, it, the customer are making their first impressions and making all of their buying um, decisions on the internet. So it's really important that you, you know, work out what their customer journey is, what their process is and control as much of it as you can. Like somebody's making, taking an hour to choose a business coach. How much of that hour do you want to be in front of them? 
you want to be in front of them the whole time. Like if you give them enough value, like if they get to your website and it's like, you know, um, the three things that you need to know when you're choosing a business coach, by the way, if you are thinking of choosing a business coach, check out what my clients say about me. They get there. Like it's still so interactive that where else would they go? I love that. I mean, you know what? I'm a numbers geek, right? So as a business coach, my big thing is strategy, whether it's strategy with your finance, strategy with your marketing, what have you. So I've worked with a lot of clients that said, no, I'm going to work on marketing this week. And they end up spending three days writing bad articles, posting bad posts, <laughs> creating yeah. bad ads because it's not their expertise. And if they just spent that time doing what they were good at, and outsourced that specialty to someone else, it would have, you know, been a 10 times better result. So, you know, do you think this whole game is a DIY or made for experts such as yourself and your consulting firm or a bit of both? I think that whether you're an expert or you're outsourcing or whatever, um, the, the the, the problem is not, finding how to write a good article or, the, or getting the hack for LinkedIn or the hack for Instagram because you, you get that and it's good for like now and then two months later you're sitting in front of an empty screen again. So is that, the problem actually is lack of planning. They don't have a strategy like, to your point. Um, having, a, having a social media plan strategy and actually going about it in a very um, mindful manner so that your, you, your process for creating content is very efficient. So you, you batch create content. You do in one afternoon, you can do 30 days of content and it will be way more effective than thinking it as, of it as you go. Um, make sure it's all follows the process. You've got subtitles, they've got a captions and they're structured in a certain way so that when you are posting, you're doing it at an optimal time of day. And so um, whether or not you create that or you outsource it, that needs to be in place before I think you bother spending three days writing an article um, because like when I write an article that also creates people have realized that creates a video and it creates an audio and that creates 30 smaller videos, 30 smaller captions. Like it creates like maybe a hundred bits of content when I write one article because it's a process and I'm efficient about it. Um, and people need to get the message again and again. Like if somebody reads your article, the chances of them remembering anything from it in a week is pretty low to be honest. Like most people will just scan it. Um, and so you can't just write it once and expect that people are going to get the message. You've got to be repeating yourself over and over again. And, and I'm always sh like sharing the same, the same stories, same content, hammering it home. Um, some people complain about that, but I'm like, well, look, this is what works. If you, you know, I'm not going to change my, change my tune tomorrow. Like if, if I did, then I'd be a bit concerned whether or not it's right. So content, you need to be repetitive. It's really important. This is brilliant now. And uh, you know what I think, mate, like, Clients of mine, they get busy and they get quiet. Though. So when they're quiet, they, they want to ramp up their marketing. But the best businesses that I've seen, they have a consistent marketing plan. So they've got a yeah. steady flow of clients because you can never have too many clients. You know, if you go through those stages where you've got too many clients, then you can adjust your fees because you can afford to lose some. So yeah. when going down this path, I, I sort of highly recommend if you're not going to commit to it for six or 12 months, you know, I mean, of course you can go on a, a blast or a campaign or a sprint to, to fire things up a little bit, but the best ones I've seen make it part of their long-term business strategy and allow for it as an as a genuine investment for the business Nat, what are, what are your thoughts yeah. on that absolutely yeah uh, i mean i think also choosing choosing a niche is, is it gets thrown around a lot like that's choosing a niche is important but what's even better is like you you, you you've got this guy here right and his name this guy here is called henry right i don't know if you can see my stick figure 
Henry is 27 years old. He's got three children. Um, his favorite TV show to watch is The Bachelor. I don't, I don't know. I don't watch TV, but like, you know what magazines he reads, you know what time he gets up in the morning, how many pets he has. You, you even know what he looks like in your head. And so every time you're communicating with your audience, all you're doing is writing to this guy, right? And so your content becomes much more personalized, like as if you're texting, text, uh, post a post as a text message to somebody. And so I'm not suggesting that you only sell to this person, but just by the nature of the fact that you're, you've got them in your head when you write your content, it'll make it so much more personalized and consistent and you'll pick up all these other people on the peripheral. And most people, they just, they, they try and, do their content for everyone. They're not actually thinking about an individual in their head when they write it. They're like, hello, Facebook, you know, if you're here, if you're there, if you've got this problem, if you've got this problem, they're not speaking directly to somebody. And uh, that's where their marketing falls down. You know, like I think if you, if you haven't got like that well-defined and you just, you spend like a year creating content and it, you know, if it doesn't work, like it could just be as simple as you just haven't, got narrow enough and pictured who your ideal client is i think it's really important and you know just on that Nat, a lot of my clients would ask me how do i do that and i think it's really simple and one of the strategies that i say to them is go back and have a look at your last 30 days or your 90 days or even a year and have a think about which clients you like dealing with and we're happy to pay your fees. They didn't, they didn't, you know, try to grind you on your fees. Have a think about what that client look like and what sort of demographic, what, you know, what are the attributes of that person? And that can then sort of create an avatar for you moving forward. So rather than just shooting, you know, yep. yeah, shooting into the wind, so to speak, if, you, if you're out there and you're trying to figure out, you know, you're potentially looking to go down this path before you spend all this money and, and, and design all this content, have a really good think about what type of person that you're trying to attract. It's, it's really important. And, uh, and hey, Nat, I've got to ask you, I stumbled across a video I watched of you. Can you, Uh-oh. you know, no, no, it's, uh, you were telling a story to an audience about when you met Grant Cardone. Um, yeah. Now, for the listeners out there who, who haven't come across Grant stuff, he's pretty hardcore, but I, I do love his message. And, uh, mate, I, I, uh, I pissed myself when I saw you tell that story. So can you just uh, run us through how that came to be? Um, so, like, uh, how I actually ended up uh, getting the interview with him in the first place, you mean? Or? Oh, yeah, and also the, the day of the interview. I, uh, I remember you saying <laughs> it was an absolute nightmare. And, uh, and also what you got out of speaking to Grant, because I know he's an absolute yeah. guru in this industry. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, you know, I, I have uh, these audacious goals. It's so funny when you write these goals, you you think to yourself, well, these are the you know pie in the sky things that I'm not, go- you know, that I'm never going to achieve. But there's actually like a lot of them. They have come to fruition. Um, I had a lot of challenges along the way, but like you know, f- first year in business, I said I'm going to sign up one of the top three banks, and 11, month eleven, Westpac come on board. Like, what? crazy um but grant cardone's one of the guys you know he's on the list and i started linkedin heroes as a way to i was i was um wanted to interview entrepreneurs making an impact for the for, for this very reason is i saw all this negative content getting traction on social media and you see it working and you're like oh you know i don't want to buy into that um so i did a post about it and i was it's it, i was complaining about people complaining and somebody pointed it out to me they said Nathaniel, you're just doing the same thing what are you actually doing about it the negative content that's going out there and i thought yeah, shit, this guy's hit the nail on the head. I'm going to create some positive content by interviewing inspiring um, entrepreneurs and, and add value. And it was one of the best things I've ever done. 
Anyway, cut a long story short, like um, Grant Cardone was on the list. I saw a post from Success Resources. They bring a lot of the big speakers to Australia, like Richard Branson, Tony Robbins. And um, uh, the CEO of Success Resources goes, uh, Grant Cardone's going to do 20 podcast interviews while he's in Australia. Send your submissions in. So I sent my submission in, no response. Start tagging like the CEO of Success Resources in all my content. I'm messaging him, emailing him. Nobody's getting back to me and I'm thinking, eventually he says, uh, we, you know, we haven't decided yet, we can't get back to everyone, but I'm like, oh, this is, this is not working. I gotta think outside the box here. Um, contact Grant Cardone on Instagram. He got 4.7 million followers, that's not working. <laughs> um, so I'm racking my brain and I'm thinking, oh, um, so this is Elena Cardone, who pro people probably know very well now, but it was only a couple of years ago that she just opened, started a YouTube channel. She wasn't actually in the public doing anything. She just hadn't published her book yet. And I, I thought, if he, he's in Australia for that long, there's a good chance that she's coming with him. I mean, he's got a private jet, for God's sakes. So, um, so I messaged Elena on uh, Instagram and I say, look, I've seen some of your content on YouTube. Um, I know that Grant's coming to Australia. Are you coming as well? Because I'd love to interview you. I want to hit, I want to interview you because I think the female entrepreneurs in my audience get a lot of value out of, I'm, you know, I'm always interviewing men. Um, and her assistant gets back to me and goes, Elena would love to do the interview. Um, so we'll do it on this, in Sydney on such and such time frame. That would be like between this date and this date in Sydney. And I'm like, well, look, I'm not, I'm not based in Sydney. I'm based in Perth. Um, but if, while I'm there, I can interview Grant as well. I'll fly to Sydney, no worries. Um, you tell me when, I'll be there. And so you can just picture, you know, <laughs> at the Cardone household, Elena's like, honey. <laughs> <laughs> <You know. laughs> I mean, who better to ask for you than Elena? Exactly, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so, so they agreed. And, and the funny thing is, I had to fly to Sydney to do some training for the social media college. I get back to my apartment in Perth. I was like knackered. Like I'd just been, I had four events or something in one day as the startup grind thing. Um, and I checked my emails before I go to bed. There, there's bloody the assistant of Elena Cardone. <laughs> you got to be in Sydney. It was like 2 p.m. the next day or something. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I get a flight, I get online, book a flight um, to Sydney for the next morning, set my alarm, wake up, shattered, like pretty nervous actually. So I didn't sleep much. Um, and uh, get to the airport and they're like, Mr. Bibby, haven't you heard your flight's been cancelled? Um, and I was like, well, what am I going to do? I need to go interview Grant Cardone. And they're like, what? You know, like, who? <laughs> and, they, and I said, they said, oh, you've got to go queue up in the customer service line, which is like half the airport. Um, and I'm like, oh, God. So I'm queuing up in this thing for literally two hours. I get to the front and I'm like, look, you need to get me to Sydney. And they're like, look, the next flight is like 5 p.m. tonight. I said, that's not going to work. Like, I'm, I can't reschedule. Um, and I was like, there must be something you do. And she's like, it's impossible. There's nothing we can do. There's a big line of people behind me. And I said to her, I said, really, I asked her a really good question. I said, if there was something you could do, what would it be? <laughs> Great question. And she said, well, look, I can get you to Adelaide. And I said, okay, keep talking. And she said, well, I can't get you from Adelaide to Sydney because if, if the flight leaving Adelaide is 15, uh, sorry, anything less than half an hour of the flight that's arriving, it's called an illegal connection. You, we, we can't actually do it, but there is a flight leaving Adelaide 15 minutes after you land. If you run to the gate, um, there's a good chance that you'll be able to get on the flight, um, but you've got to get there in time. If you don't get there in time, you just have to come back to Perth. 
um, and it's on your expense. And so I said, okay, book it up. Like, so I, I had to pay for that flight again from Adelaide and, um, and not, fully not knowing whether or not I'm going to get on it, by the way. And so we land, I bolt, of, like, you know, I haven't got anything with me, a bolt to the bloody um, departure thing, get on the flight. So I was like, okay, wow, I'm, I'm on the flight. I was like, oh, I haven't even got a videographer. I haven't even got a videographer in Sydney, right? <laughs> so I'm on Airtasker and I'm like, I need a videographer. Um, while I'm on the flight, I land, I've sort of sorted it out and then I'm getting a taxi organized and I go to the bathroom, I look at myself in the mirror and I just look like shit. <laughs> and, I'm thinking, and I'm thinking, oh God. So I actually, I had a shower in the, I had to go to the international airport. I had a shower um, and I used my t-shirt as a towel. <laughs> just I, I honestly looked terrible. Um, and so I get there. Um, the videographer was there. Grant Cardone's doing his interview before me. Um, had was not prepared at all. The the actual the videographer, you would not believe this, but the camera that was on me did, was not working. Uh, we found out afterwards. The microphone on me was not working. Right. <laughs> oh, no. like, so when you do an interview with somebody, like if your if your um, audio is less than the person you're interviewing, especially with somebody like Grant Cardone. It makes you seem like you're very unconfident or like, um, I don't know, just not on the same level. As yeah, you're timid and yeah, yeah. And and also like on top of that, like there wasn't those shots of my reactions. It was just sort of like over my shoulder. Um, but having said that, like it was very authentic, the questions I asked him. Um, I even asked him during the interview, if you watch it, that, um, to become a client of mine. And he said, yep, let's do it, man. I'm in, you know. Um, it turns out, like, his team wasn't a good fit for us. Nothing negative, just just different, different way of doing things. Um, but um, I learned a huge amount from from him. And, and look, you know, even if the, the camera wasn't working, it cost me a fortune to be there. It was, you know, it was, it was full on. Um, getting the interview with Grant Cardone, it, it, it puts you on another playing field. Like now I can ask, you know, Tony Robbins for an interview. I can approach certain people because I got that track record. Um, so from my perspective, it was a very important milestone in my building my brand. And, and on top of that, I, he like gave me so much value. You know, like I, I said, I said to Grant, I said, like, you know, you've got all these haters and stuff. I said, well, there must be something behind all this. I said, I said, I told him about my social media. I said, you know, what, what is it that I need? What is it I need to do to get to the next level? Something's not something's not clicking. Like I'm kind of stagnating it. Like, you know, I got 35,000 on LinkedIn and similar on Instagram. Like, how do I get to, you know, a hundred? And he said, man, he's like, dude, he's like, you, you, you need to have bigger opinions on stuff. He's like, you, you just come in here and you're like, you know, you haven't disagreed with me once. He's like, you need to interview people that you fundamentally disagree with. Mm. Because, because that's where you create a interesting conversation, you know? Um, and, and I had to like think about this a lot afterwards because he kind of just gave me the little nuggets. Like he kept saying, I don't want to give you my secret sauce, man. But like, <laughs> you know, but, but um, he's very good at capturing attention. It has to be in line with your brand. Like, so everyone's got to have opinions about what's okay, what's not okay. But I think that um, working it out is the, the way that you do it. And Grant's been like consistent with this since the start is literally by consistently throwing stuff out to the market, getting feedback, seeing what's working. That's how you get good at social media. Like a lot of people will like want to create a video and they're like, oh, okay, I've got a video marketing firm. Oh yeah, I think that looks good. Maybe we could do it better. I'll do like 30 takes, get all these people's feedback, get all these people's feedback. 
Um, okay, now it's ready to post. It's been a month and you post it. And you you probably don't do another one for another, like if you, if you literally did it once, threw it out there, did it again, threw it out there, did it again. By the time you got to the end of the month, you'd be such a better social media marketer, content marketer, because you're constantly getting feedback from the market. And people have this like bias towards perfection. You know, they want everything to be perfect, but perfection is a form of procrastination. Like, but while you're trying to get it perfect, you're not actually finding out whether or not the audience is interested in what you're doing at all. Because you might think it's awesome, but you don't know if the audience does. It's very subjective. You know, and I am. Um, you know, different to what other people might. Mate, I love that. You know what? One thing, like, you know how people, they have that bias towards perfection. I say to all my clients and myself, I have a bias towards value. So everything I do, I don't care if my daughter, my five-year-old daughter films it, is my only objective is, is someone in the whole world going to be able to take a little bit of value out of this? You know, I'm not trying, I don't need to be, I don't need to be Steven Spielberg, right? Now, obviously, different, you know, horses for courses, Westpac, Westpac, you know, can't put out a five-year-old video, but you, you even look now, the whole world's changing, that, that whole quality has got to be perfect. No one gives a shit about that, but what I think people miss the mark is they put up these subpar, you know, Instagram posts that don't add value to anyone, you know? So I think if you're listening out there, obviously that consistency, just get it out there, but just make sure that, you know, you literally have a a box to tick. Will this add value to someone? And if so, just get it out there. If not, maybe revisit and think about how you can add more value. So, uh, Hey, Nat, I love that story, mate. That was that the hustle, the hustle in that story is, is amazing. And I, um, I love how you, you, what you said there just towards the end of it, where that Cardone interview led to something else. And I just love that inching forward where you sort of, you're leveling up constantly. And, and I love that. And, uh, mate, I know you've got a pretty big business to run, so I don't want to hold you up, but the last question I, I, I sort of love to ask my, um, my guests is, so mate, what would have to happen for you in the next decade, you know, for you to feel like you've really nailed the next 10 years, both uh, professionally and personally, Nat? Yeah, so um, in the next 10 years, I would like to be um, helping enough businesses. I mean, when I, when I grew up, like I went to boarding school when I was 10, like we were living in Hong Kong and I saw my family maybe five times a year. Saw my mum a lot more than I saw my dad, especially when I got divorced and stuff. But like growing up, like I always saw him like catching all these flights, running a business to support the family and not seeing his, not seeing the family as much as he'd like to. And I kept thinking to myself as a kid, like I remember very clearly as a child thinking there must be a better way to do it. And so like my purpose in, in business is to help keep families closer together just by literally avoiding going out of business because technology will disrupt most business guys who don't know what they're doing and so i want to impact a lot of people and and my goal is my biggest mentor is tony robbins and so my goal is within the next 10 years to be a social media speaker at tony robbins business mastery event i have a very clear picture of of him welcoming on welcoming me on stage to add value to his audience and that's my pie in the sky sort of trajectory that i'm on um and uh when i achieve that i'll uh, have to come up with another one and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll get the recap of that and get you back on. Uh, and mate, I, uh, I, I, uh, you know, I don't mind a punt every now and then. And I think I'll back you in on that one, buddy. In the next decade, I'll, I'll have a little bit on that. Um, <laughs> um, mate, that has been brilliant. I, um, I know that you do this for a living and you probably, you know, this is all second nature to you, buddy, but there's been so much in here that so many people are going to be able to take away, especially things like just those little simple three LinkedIn tips where you said making sure that you update your profile to suit 
your target market. You're not just, you know, you're not, you're not trying to get a job. You're trying to, you know, get clients. So, you know, and being proactive on, on LinkedIn and, and making sure that you, you sort of got a strategy around who you're messaging and, and what type of community you're going to create. So now this has been unreal, mate. So, man, I suppose the question, last question I'm going to have to ask you is, mate, if I've got listeners out there who, you know, don't have the time to do this and want to outsource it to a professional, where's the best place for them to touch base with, with yourself and your team, mate? Well, yeah, first of all, like, yeah, if you're saying you haven't got time, let's be honest, you do have time. Like, you know, (laughs) I think that, you know, if it's going to work successfully, like the business needs to be involved. Um, So people can find me on any, anywhere they like to hang out online, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, Instagram, YouTube, Pinterest, Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever it's convenient for you, I'm there. So just consume me where where you feel comfortable. Um, But, um, I think that um, like if you're if you're if you're thinking that you need to outsource it and you don't have time like to do it yourself, just just rethink what are the real reasons behind that that statement and is it actually more to do with you know um, not having a clear like message or one worrying what other people think, especially for small businesses, it's really important that um, we don't we don't avoid things by you know throwing them uh, to through to out of our responsibility because it's something that fears us. Um, so I'll just throw that a little in there to give people a kick up the butt. <laughs> mate, I love it. That's what we're here for, mate, to fire up everyone, champion. So, mate, I really appreciate it. That was cool. You know, I, um, I'm lucky. I get, to, I, I get to do this podcast and, you know, I, I love a chat. But, uh, you know, whilst I go ahead, I get to learn a lot too, buddy. So, mate, I appreciate you coming on today. It was awesome to catch up with you. And, uh, mate, looking forward to seeing how uh, the next couple of years pans out. Mate, I'm pretty excited for, to see how you guys are going to grow. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. There you go. I really hope you enjoyed today's podcast with Nathaniel Bibby and that's helped you to start to think about your LinkedIn strategy and how powerful of a tool it is that you can go out and market on there and get instant access to the actual people that you want to deal with rather than just putting out an Instagram post and hoping, you know, your nan gives you a, a like on your plumbing business, let's go to LinkedIn and go and find a strata manager who's actually going to help you accelerate your business. So as a business coach, that's what I love doing. I love getting my hands dirty with your business to figure out, okay, where are you right now? Where do you want to go to? And what do we need to do to get there? And LinkedIn is such a powerful tool for you to access the people that you need to access to grow your business the way you like. So if you'd like to find out more about my coaching and courses, head over to tonycane.com. Thank you so much for listening today. I really appreciate it. Take care, look after yourself and look forward to catching up on the next podcast.